this series that we're going to embark on is a, a simple, it's a simple series that has one simple question at the root of it. What do you really want is the question. Remember I told you at the beginning of the year that every year I answer one big question, and the question for this year is, what's the truth you need to face that you're running from? And the real question that some of us need to deal with, the truth that we need to look at, is what do you really want? Some of you thought if you got a man or a woman, if you got somebody in your life, you got a love in your life, you found somebody, you thought that your life would be wonderful. So you have them, and it's still not wonderful. Some of you thought if you got a job or if you had an opportunity or an income level or a certain amount of notoriety, you thought that would make you happy. Well, you got that too, and guess what? You're still not happy. I have had the privilege of knowing people that are extremely well-known all over the world, and I've had the privilege of knowing people who want to be known all over the world. And I've learned that happiness is not what people often think it is. It's, and it's hard to get people to see it when they don't have it. The big house, the nice car, the whatever. All those things are nice. Riding in first class, flying someplace and being greeted in a limousine and taking places to speak or whatever you get to do. Those things sound fabulous and there is an element of joy in those things. But the problem is, if you're not careful, you will define that as happiness, and once you get it, you'll be deeply disappointed that it's not what you thought. There is a verse in Matthew chapter 5. There is a chapter we're going to spend quite a bit of time on. As a matter of fact, we're going to spend most of our time in chapter 5, verse 6 of Matthew. And this is one of my favorite verses because it says a whole lot, and I'm going to spend the entire month on one verse. Let me read it for you. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they, shall, they will be filled. Repeat it with me, please. Say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, if you're watching us, you can go to the, the Overcoming by Faith Ministries app if you haven't downloaded it, and right there on the app, the sermon notes are there for you. And, of course, you can go to the Bible app and go look for Overcoming by Faith, and you can get the app, the sermon for the day. Um, or it's just amazing how when you look at this verse and you think about what it says, it's a promise. It's a great promise. But it's said in the context of Matthew 5, which is a chapter that deals with one word. Uh, you've heard it called the Beatitudes which is a Latin word for blessed, blessing. So when you talk about the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, you're talking about blessing. So the big statement in Matthew 5, the first few verses is, this is how you get blessed. If you want to know how blessings look, if you want to know what a blessed life looks like, he describes some things that are surprising. They, they would not be the typical thing, not a Nintendo game, not a car, not a house. None of those things are listed in this chapter. But it starts off like this, Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to a mountain side and sat down. Notice they're outside, by the way, just a, just a note for you. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Sitting outside with these guys on a mountainside, no choir, no band, no lights, just a conversation. 
A lot of what you read in the Bible is like that. People in casual clothes sitting around talking about God. They're sitting outside, and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, you just want to go, okay, how does that even go together? Happy are the poor. Really? But you got to be careful. Hear what he said, in spirit. He's talking about an attitude, a humility, which I'll describe in a moment. Let me describe the entire series for you so you'll know where we're going, so you can understand that all, all, all five of these sermons are really, really helpful. The first one today is about what you really want. I want to define and talk through hunger a little bit, about well, not hunger, but, but ble- what blessed looks like and what blessed doesn't look like. Secondly, in our next sermon, we'll talk about hunger. And I'll ask you, are you driven next week? Are you a hungry person? I think a lot of people aren't hungry. I think a lot of people settle, and then you can become extreme where you don't want, you're not settling for anything. Third sermon I'll talk about, are you doing what is right? Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness. There's one thing to be hungry, but to be hungry at any cause, no matter what. You, you want what you want, no matter who it hurts or how it happens. The fourth sermon we'll talk about being satisfied. Are you filled, satisfied with your life? There is something about coming to the place that you're satisfied. And I'll talk about more of that in a minute. Number five, we'll talk about this for young people. How can a young person uh, balance hunger, humility, and passion? See, what, what gets us confused is, okay, so you're telling me to be hungry, but you're telling me to be humble. You're telling me to want a lot but not be greedy. How do I balance that out? And I want to tell you, if you're not careful, you'll stifle, snuff out all youthful passion. There's nothing like the answer to this question. What do you want to be when you grow up? Man, that's a question. And you want to, you want to hear that, see that young person light up and say, I want to be a fill in the blanks. It's wonderful. If you're not careful, you lose that, especially as you age. What you want to be? I'm already that. I'm not it yet. You just have this depressed look about you. What do you want to be when you grow up? Some of you say, I've grown up. Really? Are you still breathing? You still got time. I love the stories in the Bible because he starts with people who are 75 and 80 years old. Moses was 80 when he started. Uh, Abraham was 75. I love KFC. He was in his mid-60s when he started Colonel Sanders. That's right. Every time you go to KFC, think about that. A senior citizen started it. And it's so easy if you're not careful to think that you're done. And I think that's why some of us are depressed because you, start, you stop too early. As long as you're breathing, you got to keep moving. How about an amen to that? I'm going to go sit and look at my grandchildren. Okay. I, I, that's, a good, that's a good thought for a minute. But they, they grow up and stop looking at you. How about an amen to that? All right, let me stop. Now, let me say the same thing I just said in a different way. And, and these are questions. I pose these same comments, these same sermons in, in four questions that I'll talk about. Have you ever had, this is a question, have you ever had a need-nothing season? You are absolutely filled. You don't want anything. You don't need anything. That, that's an amazing place to be. To get up in the morning and imagine, ladies, all the clothes are washed, right? All the, and put up. All the towels are folded and put up. Everything in the house is clean. There's nothing to clean. Can you say that with me? Please come on. Say, there's nothing, nothing to clean. I know you'd be lying if you're talking about your house today, but that's true. <laughs> imagine for a moment if it were like that. No closets. Everything is put. Imagine for a minute. What's it like to be finished with school for real? You're done, 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 done. You finished all the tests. You passed everything. Imagine all the bills are paid. You don't owe anybody. There's nobody knocking on your door. Nobody's going to call you. Have you ever had a need-nothing season? You don't need to beg anybody, complain about anything. It's all done. 
That's what he says. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. That's the goal. Then secondly, we'll talk about this. Have you ever decided to do what's right, no matter what? That's the righteousness part. I've decided, no matter what, I'm going to do what's right. Third thing we'll talk about. Have you ever drawn up a list of things you hunger for? A list where you write it down. These are the things I want. These are the things that I desire in my life. You should have a written list, not one in your mind. I have financial goals. I have personal goals. I have physical fitness goals. I am working a plan. Fourthly, how do you define what being blessed is? I, I did this series. You need to go back and listen to it if you missed it on definitions. If you, if you don't have the right definitions for certain things, you will never be happy. Because how do you know when you're happy? If you haven't defined happiness, if you haven't defined what success looks like. You have to define where you're going. Sometimes you're frustrated because you're scared to pin down a definition. This is, what I, this is what marriage is. I think a lot of love relationships don't work because you expect too much. Your definition of love is, they know what I need. No, they don't. People can't read your mind. Your definitions of friendship, borrowing money. Your definitions, people don't, don't, didn't ask you to be their friend to borrow their money. People, didn't, people don't want you to live with them all the time. So I, I know some of y'all, it's, certain circumstances can come up, but your definition of life should not be to live with this person unless it's a unique circumstance and you both agree and it's okay and everybody's happy. I get that. There are times when it's like that. In some parts of the world, people live together and it's okay. Nothing wrong with that. I'm just simply saying, make sure that's their definition, not just yours. There's something about getting the right definition. And all this is what we'll talk about this month. And the goal is to help you move your mind down the road, to help you discover what you really want. Because that's the question. Now, in our text today, in Matthew chapter 5, there are seven things we should want according to Jesus. Seven things he says you should want. And I, I just, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on these because our main focus in the month will be on verse 6. And I'll, I'll come back to that. But I, wanna, I thought it'd be great to just mention seven things he said we should want and then some things he said you shouldn't want. And I'm going to take you to another text to show you those. But look at me, look at me, first one. First thing he says, what we read earlier, he said we should, we should want to be poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What that basically means is we should have a humble attitude, understanding our poverty without God. Basically, what he's saying. Blessed people understand their impoverished condition. Blessed are those, happy are those people, that's what blessed means. Happy are those people who understand what they're not. They come to life with the real awareness that without the Lord's help, without the kingdom's help, I am lost. I realize that without, it, without his hand, there's no way I can do what I do. That's the beginning of happiness. Secondly, he says, blessed are those who grieve the way God grieves. Look what he said in verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We should want to be poor in spirit. We should want to know our, our true poverty state without God. Secondly, we should want to grieve over the things that grieve God. Blessed are they that mourn. Do you care about what God cares about? Do you feel what God feels? so easy to become a person who only cares about yourself. Thirdly, we should want to be teachable. I love this. Blessed are the meek. That's the word teachable, for they will inherit the earth. That's what we should want to be taught. We shouldn't want to always teach. We should look for ways to be taught. Fourthly, we should want to be hungry and ambitious. That's our main text for the month. 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. But we should want to be hungry and ambitious. We should want more. It's so easy to misread the Bible and think, it, blessed are they that content, you know, be content with such things as I have. And somehow that means you never dream of anything else. That's why a lot of people don't want to be a Christian actively. Because they think if you become a Christian, you can't want money, you can't desire anything, you can't want love. You got to fake like you don't mind being single. If you don't like being single, just say it. If you don't like certain things, just say it. If you don't, there's nothing wrong with hunger. Say that with me, please. Come on. There's Say it again. Come on. There is nothing wrong. Nothing. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing. I'm thinking about getting me a truck. I, I say it out loud. Let everybody know I'm getting a truck. Why? I don't know. Do you need a truck? No, I don't need a truck, but I want a truck. What are you going to do with it? I'm going to haul something. Here's a question. Do you have anything to haul? No. I'll find something to haul. <laughs> what kind of truck you want? I ain't telling you all of that today. It's nice, though. I'm going to tell you that. i tell you what, when you see it, you go, oh, wow. <laughs> it's the wild truck. Am I getting it today? No. Why? Because I got some other things I want to do first. Some other things. It's something to do to other things. How long would it take? I don't know. I've had a time frame. You know, i got a plan. But I really, honest to God, I really don't know exactly when. The truck I thought I wanted, I went and sat in and didn't like it. You ever did that? I went and sat in there and looked at it and moved it. I said, no, it's too tight. I don't know if I want this one. And somebody said, what kind of truck? Really, it's more like an SUV. Don't ask me more questions than I'm going to tell you. All I'm going to tell you is this. It's okay to want something. Some of you feel guilty wanting anything. I think there's something healthy and blessed about hunger. And it's not just a truck. I mean, that's just one thing. I want a church to grow, but grow digitally, grow in other ways. I want to find new ways to touch people. I, I want to travel the world differently. I don't want to do it all in person anymore. I want to reach more people. I want to reach more diverse audiences. I want to write more books. I want to do more things. I have desires. What is your list of wants? Blessed are those who hunger. Number five, we, he said we should want to be merciful. Blessed are the merciful. They will, they will be shown mercy. Blessed people are merciful people. They care for others. And there's something about that that's just powerful. Mercy. Caring. Showing somebody that you care about them. Number six, we should want to be pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. It's so easy to be phony. It's so easy to pretend. It's so easy to fake. It's so easy to look one way and be another way. And what's sad to say in my profession, there are a lot of guys who do that, but I understand why. The job forces them because people can't accept their imperfections. And so they hide them. But I believe there's something liberating about being pure, looking in the mirror, loving yourself, and being honest with your world. Even if that's not good stuff you're thinking. But finding a way to get before God and say, this is what's in me and it's not good. Help me be pure in heart. And I think that's important to understand. You can have bad thoughts and be, have bad habits, but be pure in heart. Because that's what made David special. David admitted it. And he didn't do it twice. He said, this is my sin. When confronted, he said, I did it, and he never did it twice. I love it. Then number seven, he said, we should want to be peacemakers. <laughs> Blessed are the peacemakers.
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. There's something about this constant issue we have about violence and all that's going on in the world. Now, I, I've said some things. I'll say it again just for the sake of just <laughs> saying it again. You know, I, we want to blame the police for all this stuff. We want to blame people, you know. But let me tell you something. Those are your cousins. That's your brother, your family, your people, my people. It's a family issue. It's not the mayor's fault. It's not the governor's fault. It's not the president's fault. We have families out of control. Families that we know. You can name somebody, a cousin. You can name, I can name some. And so I understand that what really works better than violence and family strife, which I'll talk about in a minute, is peacemaking. Blessed are the peacemakers. Make peace. Who are you at war with? With your save and love in God's self right now. Sometimes I've learned I can't, I can't control the peace because they won't let me. They've made the decision that I can't reverse for them. And so I have to embrace that. But here's what he said in verse 10 of Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are those who, who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So I understand that's part of the journey. I accept it. I really do. I, I really do. I, people say things sometimes. I just, I, 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 first of all, if they say it to me, I, we talk about it. I say, well, why, why do you believe I think that way? This lie about the W-2 form has been going around for so long. The lie about, I don't know, all kinds of crazy. Don't say anything new. I don't know new. Don't tell me the new ones. But there are things that people say, and sometimes I think you just have to learn to put your arms around it and move forward. You cannot allow yourself to be dominated by that. Be a peacemaker. Say that with me, please. Come on. Then finally, as I close, three things we should not want. Those are seven things we should want. Three things we should not want. This is in Luke chapter 12, verse 13. The first thing we should not want is family strife. Here's what he said in verse 13 of Luke chapter 12. Someone in the crowd said to him, to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother, divide the inheritance with me. Divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who made me a judge or an arbiter between you? Two brothers are standing down there listening to Jesus, and the guy raises his hand, Tell this guy to share the inheritance with me. Family strife, boy, what a horrible thing. You should never want that. There's nothing worth it. I, I do too many funerals. I see too many people wailing at, all, at, 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 at coffins because they argued over things that do not matter long term. The second thing he says is, I believe in chapter 12, is family greed. It's something you don't want. Then he said to them, watch out. This is verse 15, verse 13, I'm sorry, verse uh, 15. He said, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist, I love this verse, life does not consist in the abundance of things you possess. That is such a liberating truth. I thought if I got to this place, man, it'd be great, but I've learned that no place is the place. One more time, no place is the place. It's just not there. It, there's some joy in it. But no place is the place. So family strife, he doesn't want you to have. You shouldn't want that. And you shouldn't want family greed. And lastly, you shouldn't want, 
and this is, this is going to really strike you odd. I, I call it con success confusion. Because when you, when the, everything is not bad in life. Sometimes the problem is it's so good, right? You, you don't have whatever, you, you, know, you have more money, you have more time, you're better off, you're doing great, life's good. And here's what he said in verse 16 of, of, of Luke 12. He told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I will do. I'll tear down my barns, build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. Pretty good stuff. Got so much money, I think I'm going to save. Give me some stocks and bonds, mutual funds. Man, this is great. I got more than I need. I paid all my bills. Paid off my house. Wow, this is great. He said, I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take easy. It's not a bad thing. And I want to just jump off that and say this. Now, this guy went wrong, but you don't have to go wrong. Success confusion comes in when you have more than you thought you would have, and you really don't know what to do. You really don't know what to do. There are some of you in here like that. Now, you got money. You, you act like you're broke. You're scared to let people know you have money. You, you, when you go shopping with people, you go to the sale rack just to throw them off. When you're not with them, you go straight to Saks Fifth Avenue. You know what I'm saying? When, you, when nobody's around, you get them real persons. You know what I'm saying? There are things you do, but I think a lot of times what you see in this guy's story, we often emphasize the negative side. You know, the Lord challenges him and said, you know, he dies. If you die this night, and you'll see it in a minute. He dies right after this. But I want you to see the confusion that success brings. Don't feel guilty because you've done well. And don't apologize to people. Don't always feel like you have to apologize or explain. And I say that because there are a lot of people that do well. And when you do well, thank God. The Bible says you reap what you sow. Can I get an amen, church? Amen. I close with these final thoughts. Two thoughts that will help balance your life. In verse 20, in this conversation with this guy, God said, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whatever, with who, I'm sorry, whoever stores up things for themselves and is not rich toward God. So here's what I think you should be. This guy goes off the cliff, like I said, because he was, he was focused more on being rich toward himself than toward God. Now, that doesn't mean that God wants you to give him everything, even though I think he already owns everything. God really cares about you having balance and having, a, having him as a priority in your life. What I think we do sometimes is we make it sound like God doesn't want you to have a life. He wants to dominate all your time. He wants to dominate all your money. I think even the way he established the tithing principle, you, get to, you, you honor God with the 10%, but you have 90 left. God's not trying to take everything you have. He's trying to get you in the fight. How about an amen to that, Jimmy? Look at what he says. And then he says, so number one, be rich toward God. And number two, don't worry. I want you to, to leave this conversation with me today. And I want you to make sure you leave with one commitment. I refuse to worry. Here's what he says in verse 22. Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or, or, or your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food. And the body is more than what? Clothing. It's more than clothing. It's more than stuff. And this is a tough balance because, of course, you're supposed to be a person. 
who has ambition, who desires, who wants to be blessed. But the problem, the balance, the question is, can you do that and still be rich toward God? Can you do that and still keep your life in a balanced way? Can you be a blessed person and a humble person, a teachable person? Can you balance that out? That's what you should want. Want that more than stuff, because here's the deal. You saw this guy. Stuff didn't make it work for him. And I promise you, I've got a few things in life, and I've learned this. Stuff doesn't do it. Being rich toward God does. And that's where I hope your hunger is. And so next week, we'll talk about the truth about being hungry. I really believe that when a church is hungry, I tell people this, your church is not growing. You know why? The people you pastor are hungry. If you want to see why a family never prospers, because the family as a group, they're not hungry as a group. You may have one hungry person in the family, but the group's not hungry. But you've seen families that are hungry. I love the story about Walton, Walmart, the guy who founded Walmart. His family said, would you stop adding stores? The guy was hungry. And, and, and they said, if you could just stop having, adding stores, we can have some money. Aren't you glad that he didn't listen to them? But the family got behind him because they as a group were hungry. You need to get some hunger, friend. And we'll talk more about that next week. Let's all stand. Thank you for the extra five minutes. You've been kind. I want to pray for you. The Bible says, Lord, that blessed are they that hunger and thirst. So we come today hungry. We understand that what we should not want, we understand what we should want. We want to adjust our spirits so that we were humble in spirit, teachable people. We understand we're poor without you. We understand the importance of being a peacemaker. We understand the importance, Lord God, of lifting our resources to you and honoring you. So today we leave this service thanking you, believing that your hand is on us. And so I speak blessing to everyone online today. I speak blessing to Andrew Williams. I speak blessing to all those who are watching today. Michael, I speak blessing to you too, my brother. I speak blessing to all of you that are watching Yolanda. I speak blessings to you, my friend. I pray grace on your life, whether you're here or home, wherever you are. And I believe that God wants you to be a blessed person. And so, God, today we declare your blessing, your grace. Miss Esther, we speak blessing to you today. We speak blessing because God's given you long life. We speak blessings to your daughter. We speak blessings to your grandkids. We speak blessings to all those who are watching today, all over the country and around the world. And we believe that your hand of grace is upon Solomon and Ashley. We believe that your hand of grace.